What's going on? What's going on, Carlos? Welcome to another cryptocurrency business box chat. Hey, Jordan, how's it going? Very well, very well. So what's on the agenda today, man? Yeah, uh, you know the price of Bitcoin? Can you tell me the price of Bitcoin? Yeah, I'm on coin market cap right now, and it looks like the current price of Bitcoin is sitting at $28,822. 20, uh, $822. Crazy, crazy. Uh, what about the, the supply? Bitcoin supply, 19050856 you know, thinking about it, the supply is what makes Bitcoin very, very special, right? So if you if you want to talk about the supply of Bitcoin and you can compare this to any coin, you have to ask yourself how many tokens are in the market right now? How many tokens will ever exist? How will the market supply change over time? And one of the things that you taught me is who owns most of the supply and when can they sell it? Absolutely. Um, if you look at some of these uh, coins you see on Coin Market Cap, they have their own blockchains, which makes it very easy to determine by looking at their holders. When you look at a blockchain explorer, um, what percentage of which coins are allocated to where? And if you see that large amounts of these coins are allocated to one specific place, I'm not saying that it's definitely a red flag, but you definitely need to have your guard up to understand, okay, where are these coins going and what is the purpose behind it? Um, yeah, Bitcoin is a low supply, so that's why the price is very high. Um, and I think the reason, I mean, what we know for sure about Bitcoin is that it has a 21 million max market, uh, max circuit, uh, max supply. And what that basically means is that it's a deflationary asset. So as long as the demand stays the same or increases, the price of Bitcoin eventually should go up. Um, but that's not the same with other coins. Um, obviously, coins like Shiba Inu, I believe, please correct me if I'm wrong, it's a burn coin. So the coins the in supply are going to decrease. Um, but there are some coins that are inflationary, meaning that they um, the amount of the supply will increase over time. And if that the amount of supply is increasing faster than the demand is increasing, then we will not see an increase in price. Yeah, man. Let's just uh, let's just talk about supply. You could basically put this into four groups based on inflation and supply cap. So there's inflationary plus cap, inflationary plus no cap, deflationary plus cap, deflationary plus no cap. So starting off, Bitcoin is inflationary with a cap. There's 21 million supplies capped, and no one can change that. Like that's pure. No, no matter what happens. No matter who, if even if Jesus comes back to the world, you know what I mean? Tom Brady plays until he's 50. There's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin. Minor rewards decrease by half every four years. Less and less supply flowing into market over time. Emission slowly dries out. This is why it's called digital gold. And next, if you want to you know, continue with this example, look at Dogecoin. Inflationary with no cap. No cap, no limit. Five billion Doge to join the market every year. Inflation rate will go will go down due to the growing base, but the money printer never stops. 
You know, just a fun fact. Everyone on Earth could have one billion Doge and, and there'd still be 125 billion left over in the supply. All right. This is why a lot of people, when a lot of people, you know, were asking me about should I invest in Doge, should I invest in Doge when it was pumping. And, you know, there are some Doge millionaires out there that just bought it because it's a joke and that's all it is. Okay. It was just a joke. You know, it did, you know, Elon Musk did invest a lot. And that's the only reason why the price increased. You know, right now, if anyone asks me that should they invest in Doge, even if Elon Musk does go through on his Twitter buy, I would say no. And this is for the exact reason. Uh, moving on, number three, Binance Coin, deflationary with a cap. It's capped at 200 million with plans to reduce to 100 million with burn events. This is really why I think we've had an earlier discussion discussion why I'm bullish on BNB. I like I like the I like its blockchain. It's easy to form something on it, so easily build on it. But also just to hold BNB, this is the reason why. Um, burning, if you don't know, it destroys tokens by sending them to a frozen address that no one has access to. This removes them from the supply forever. Basically, means it's limiting the supply over time. And the last one, deflationary with no cap. I mean, basically, I don't think there's any there's any coins that are here. Um, ETH, Ether plans to lower supply through their EIP-1559 and the proof of stake cons consensus. However, it still immense 1.2% of supply per year right now until the, until the merge happens. So, you know, overall, when you're looking at supply and you're looking at cryptocurrencies, the thing that you have to consider is the number of holders and how much do the top 100 holders collectively own. And if any individual wallet stands out with a huge share of the total supply. That's a very great assessment. I would make one slight correction to what you said, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I would say there are two types of deflationary coins and one type of inflationary coin. Um, there's one when the supply increases, and there's one where the supply will only have max cap. And then there's one where the supply decreases. And I think you covered those. So Bitcoin, I would not consider it inflationary. Maybe at the moment it's inflationary, but the fact is that it will eventually have a max cap. So maybe it's temporarily inflationary, but in the long run, at a certain point, it will become a deflationary asset because it does have a max cap. So yes, you can put it into the four categories, as you mentioned, which is perfectly fine. Um, but I would consider Bitcoin, in my opinion, a deflationary asset just because of its long-term outlook. Um, but yes, that's one of the most important things. This is why uh, tokenomics is very important. A lot of people do not really take tokenomics into consideration. And this is something that's very, very extremely important because um, just because one cryptocurrency and I, I say this for people who are new to the cryptocurrency space, right? Like you see a cryptocurrency like Dogecoin that's seven cents right now. Um, but you can look at its current supply and it's one hundred and thirty two billion um compared to bitcoin's 18 million so i mean that's that's a big difference in terms of i mean if you do the calculation we have a uh, market cap calculator or a price uh, calculator um what does the price uh, or how much is the market cap or how much needs to be invested into this coin for it to hit a certain price and that's something we can share with you if you need it 
but definitely you have to take into consideration uh, how much money can be put into this coin based on the supply and what would the price actually be. So like if we're looking at Dogecoin, I don't have the calculator up right now, unfortunately, but for it to hit the same price as Bitcoin, it's, I can already tell you that's like physically impossible. Um, we would have to see an extreme, uh, extremely high type of uh, multiplier. Plus the supply is way higher. So it's going to be a lot different or a lot more difficult to move that needle. Um, so yeah, tokenomics are extremely important for those who are new to it. Um, it's definitely something that you need to keep an eye out on because if you don't understand the tokenomics, then it can be extremely easy to get burned by looking at the price tag of something that may not be that valuable. Definitely, definitely. Um, so moving on, man. So we we talk about it every week. It seems like inflation isn't, it's not going anywhere. You know, it's only going to increase the gas price now. Average in the United States is getting closer to $4.50. It's going fast. I remember it was only $4.30 just a couple of days ago. But this is uh, reminded me of the 1970s. Um, Clarina. Um, it's a it's a company in our kind of in our space. They're laying off employees around 10 percent. I just found that out. Clarina's laying off 10 percent of employees already um, that for that size of company. It's in, it's it says something about what the, what their predictions are of an economy over the next two years. And we're going to I think this is going to continue. You're going to see Fortune 500 companies continue to lay off and midsize American companies continue to lay off employees. Um, it reminds me of the 1970s, like I said. In the 1970s in America, we had high oil prices, high inflation, and relatively high unemployment, which kind of equals a recession. So if, we, if you continue to look at the economy right now, and it's going into the summer months, what you're going to see is you're going to see the supply chain issue um, create a further burden on the American economy. You're going to see the price of uh, a barrel of oil continue to rise and you're going to see overall inflation and in rise. So right now, now's the time to diversify your portfolio and invest in projects that you thought were top dollar, I would say six months or 12 months ago, because right now they're on sale. You raise a really good point about recessions, and for um, there are a lot of people who probably don't understand the concept of a recession, but a recession is essentially a downward spiral, um, and I believe, uh, you have to tell me the guy's name, but one guy back in the 70s or 80s, I believe, raised interest rates at a, I think his name was Volcker or something, he raised interest rates at an extremely high rate, and that's pretty much how he got the economy Um out of this like whole high inflation and recessionary period i mean it was a really bad time um but it definitely did help which is why you see people raising interest rates or you see the federal government raising interest rates at the moment um if you look at q1 and i have to give the definition of a recession so maybe that'll be easier to understand the recession is basically two quarters of decreasing gross domestic product so we see in q1 we basically had a minus 1.5 percent in gdp so if basically when june at the end of june if we have another period of, of of declining uh gdp then we're in a recession officially 
And that's something that a lot of people are going to worry about because recessions, I mean, as you probably can tell by its connotations, are bad. Um, we will see downward spirals. We will see people not being able to afford things, people not having work, employ, uh, employers having to lay off workers because people aren't buying stuff and it just keeps going minus and minus. And this is um, something I saw recently on a video by Ray Dalio. I mean, there's a lot of credit out there. And, and not that much money, actually. A lot of people owing each other stuff, but there's not that much. Like, uh, the, the U.S. dollar is not backed by anything anymore. It used to be backed by something until Nixon took, took the dollar off of the gold standard. So now, basically, everyone is transacting in what is called trust from the government in the form of a dollar bill. It's backed um, by the United States military, but go ahead. Okay, correct. Um, but anyway, uh, the fact is that we all are possibly going towards a recession and we are in a bear market basically you can see even in the one of the highest index the s&p 500 has a huge dent in its trajectory and it's going down kind of like how it looked at the beginning of the covid19 pandemic so i mean if you're new to cryptocurrency and you see like its trajectory i mean i'm not saying right now is a great time to buy i, I say that for myself but it's not financial advice but if you follow the path of history then you'll see that millionaires or actually, let's just say uh, people become wealthier during a uh, low period. So I don't I'm not going to say buy the dip. But what I am going to say is that normally based on history, and I usually like to go with history. This is the period where people determine or where it's determined how people come out better. Not buy high, not buy low, or it's buy low, sell high, not buy high, sell low. Definitely, man. If this is a, this is officially a dip. All right. If you're if you want to know when's a dip, you can go ahead and dollar cost average right now. Now's the dip. We officially hit the dip, in my opinion. It's time. It's time to buy. You know, you talked about the S and P five hundred. It's you know, are we in a bear market? Um, the takeaway that I want to leave for this podcast is: don't hold cash during a time of recession. And bear march bear markets are completely normal. As a matter of fact. There have been 26 bear markets since 1928 in the S&P 500. There have also been 27 bull markets in that same period. On average, stocks lose around 37% during typical bear markets. And in contrast, stocks gain 112% in a typical bull market. So based on my analysis, we're in a bear market. This is the dip. It's the perfect time to buy whatever asset that you um you fancy at the moment you know i'm looking at proton right now it is 0.004 and this is crazy i was looking at vra 0.006 um xyo um let's see what dag is you know this is it's very interesting that some people that couldn't afford one whole bitcoin if we're talking about the supply of bitcoin it's still out there. You can still buy one big whole Bitcoin for less than thirty thousand dollars right now. You can get a DAG for eight cents. You know, if you branch out and look at cryptocurrency from like a five year to ten year to fifteen year, uh, most of these cryptocurrencies you see now are not going to be the same prices in twenty twenty seven. So, uh, it's an opportunity to basically uh, invest in some of the cool ideas and software that people are trying to implement right now.
Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, if if this is the thing, I mean, I can't predict the future. I don't have a crystal ball. But basically, you can see that these institutions are right now going in heavy onto cryptocurrency. Why is JP Morgan going in heavy on cryptocurrency right now? I mean, JP Morgan just said Bitcoin's fair price is at 38K and they declare crypto a preferred alternative asset. So why is JP Morgan doing this? One of the top investment banks in the world. Why would they come out and say this and put their reputation at stake? Because they know they look at this data all the time, all day. This is what they do. They're a financial or investment bank, right? So, I mean, there, there's something that the average uh, investor, there's a big difference between the average investor and these investment banks. They have all of the data. They have all of the charts. They see all of the outliers. People like us, we generally don't have the same types of tools that they have. So I'm not saying that we have to agree with everything that they are doing, but I do think that they have an understanding that this cryptocurrency thing is not just a fad. It's not something that's just going to be here today. And then in one year, it's going to, everything's going to go down to zero. Like that's not going to happen. And I can say that with full confidence, it's not all going to go down to zero. Now, the one thing that I would be worried about is regulation, regulation, which I think a lot of these governments are afraid of, or of, or they're taking caution on regulating because if you fall behind or you don't do this regulation thing right, you may stifle innovation and maybe your country will be left behind. That's that's a big risk to take. So I think um, what you're saying is right. I mean, this whole this is a great time to buy, in my opinion as well, because these banks are buying and they're they're saying that cryptocurrency is undervalued. So I mean. If they're saying that, then what makes me think that it's going to be the opposite right away? So, I mean, I mean, we can all be wrong. No one, we can't be 100% sure when cryptocurrency will bounce back. But just based on history, we know right now is a good, like, good time to buy because you never know. You can five five years from now, 10 years from now, if Bitcoin is 1 million, you're going to be like, man, I wish I'd bought at 30,000, not waited until it dropped to 15K, for example. Exactly right. I was just looking that President Biden is looking to um, remove $10,000 from every borrower of student loans. Um, kind of interested to see if if, if that is going to be, you know, what's the logistics behind something like that? Do they already, do they send $10,000 check to your borrower's bank? So the borrower itself doesn't have access to that $10,000? Are they going to send it to I don't know who's in charge of my student loans. You know, I owe so much. I don't pay attention to it. But, but if they if this is ten thousand dollars, they're going to send to people's bank accounts or their addresses and say, "Hey, this is for your student loan." We already know what that means. We already know that that money isn't going towards student loan. All right. So, if you've already decided personally, you know, and you're kind of like trying to convince yourself. But you know deep down you've already made a decision that if Joe, President Joe Biden sends you $10,000, it's not going to your student loans. You want to make yourself feel comfortable, then you should be investing in some of this crypto. Because you're going to have to pay the student loan back at some point. You might as well get rich now and then pay it back later being like, okay, so whatever, President Biden, I'll be able to pay you back because I got rich on crypto now. That That's one of the things that you can... You know, one of the ways I'm looking at it, one of the ways I'm doing is I'm investing in crypto heavy right now. So no matter what, in a couple of years, no matter what bills I have, some of these crypto cryptocurrency projects are going to boom 
Um, it's only a, ma- only a matter of time. The fact that President Biden's trying to do this is kind of scary, in my opinion, for the economy. Because he knows people's are, people are struggling. And I think that is why there's such a, uh, a downset in the prices that we have now. Because a lot of people don't understand and read the white papers of all these cryptocurrencies. And people are struggling. And most people live paycheck to paycheck. And when they get an extra paycheck, they don't save. They splurge. So when there's downtimes, they don't have any money and they it causes them to go on. It causes it pu- really pushes them into poverty in, in some sense. So if you're smart with your money and you dollar cost average and you don't pay attention to the, the current price of some of these projects over five to 10 years, you're going to make a large, substantial amount of money. Look at it's 2022. Yo, Carlos, can you tell me the price of Bitcoin? What was it t- 10 years ago? Give me one second. I will have to pull that chart up. Bitcoin ten years ago. So I'm looking at now all time. Ten years ago would be in 2012. Okay, so I can only go back as far as 2013 and May. It was 117 dollars. That was 2013. Wow! In May. Wow! Wow! Exactly. So it's less than less than ten years ago. Bitcoin was less than 200 dollars. You're telling me it's twenty eight thousand right now, and some change. That's crazy. So if you if you even with ether, you know ether is one thousand seven hundred seventy two right now. I mean, it's a perfect. This is really a blessing because you, you know, your grandchildren are never going to see the prices of these. It's going to be, you know, it's like talking about Coca Cola when, uh, you know, a share of Coca Cola was a couple cents. It's like buying an Apple share for a dollar. Like these are things that you would literally pay hundreds of dollars for now, right? When Tesla first came out, I think you can get a Tesla stock for less than 50 cents a share. How much can you get a Tesla stock now? So that's basically what we're saying in the sense of cryptocurrency. It's just hard to understand because most of cryptocurrency, the, the value, the ones that I value have wonderful software and wonderful code that people don't understand. Yeah, and a lot of stuff you're talking about is investing 101. So, like, if you don't know that much about investing, I recommend that you read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, from Robert Kiyosaki, or you can watch the Dave Ramsey show. I don't think these are the, I don't think you need to follow them 100%. But I think the idea is that debt is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I mean, because if a lot of you have student loans like I did, or like how Jordan does, for example, then you're going to um, understand that you, you took on that debt because you believe you can make more in the future. Now, the idea is that a lot of people, they buy, for example, real estate with debt. Now, that you, what you need to do is you basically need to somehow make that calculation. What needs to happen for me to come out on top in this situation? Now, when it comes to investing in stocks or real estate, you need to do all the calculations and understand what is going to be my gain versus what is going to be my loss in terms of my interest payments. And my final principle. So, I mean, this is basically investing 101. But if you look at, like I've already mentioned, if you look at in bear markets, that's usually where you can get your biggest return, right? Um, that's usually the biggest time to jump in. I mean, the S&P 500 in general has an 8 to 10% gain per year historically. Um, and that means some years it may be down 5%, other years it may be down up 20%, you know. So, I mean, if you're going to invest in crypto or any anything, even stocks for that matter, in my opinion, 
Um, it needs to have a long-term play because if you're looking for trying to get rich quick into crypto, trying to go to a million dollars in one week or something like that, like I'm sure it happens, but it, it's very, very unlikely. That's like, I don't know, uh, shooting a shooting a gun into a fish barrel, hoping to like hit a fish. You know what I mean? It's a funny metaphor, but like, uh, it's just it's just really, really difficult to become like a millionaire overnight from crypto. It's a it's a long term game. Some people were waiting forever until Shiba Inu went up. And some people were waiting forever until Bitcoin actually went up, like the really, really early people trading it for pizzas and stuff, you know. So, um, I mean, I, I agree. So, like, in terms of investing, I mean, this is what we're all here for, right? We're all here to try and come up and um, also learn about the technology and try and be a part of what the future holds because we believe this is the future. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much my take on it. Um, I'm investing now um, because I see the trends um, and I know that, um, diversifying is important and the more uh, you inform yourself and the more experience you get and the better you will be in the long run. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, I think that what is unique about cryptocurrency is every single person is going to see some type of value in it. You're going to see a doctor. You're going to see a soccer coach. You're going to see a terrorist. You're going to see a politician. Any type of person is going to look at cryptocurrency and, and say, hey, you know, like I see use in that. You know, I just saw the Russian government right now is, is viewing cryptocurrency. You know, they're analyzing it as a way to start paying some of the Russian government's payments. So I think every government eventually is going to move on and say, hey, you know, let's buy at least buy a cryptocurrency before they start paying in cryptocurrency. You know, it's a good hedge against inflation right now, because like you said in the last podcast, who knows how much gold is actually in the ground? In? Who knows? We can't set the price for the gold or the silver. Also, the, the price of a, a, a oil, a, a barrel of oil. You know, obviously they could drill more now, but why drill more when the, the, the demand is so high? Drill less. They're making more money. So when you, I'm comparing, I'm comparing these uh, commodities to Bitcoin, of of course. So why not invest in Bitcoin? Everyone, everyone can see the true value in Bitcoin. There's only 21 million. You can you can track the transactions. It's it's just perfect, and you can build off of it. It's, there's nothing made there's nothing there's no type of currency made like bitcoin so some people may ask and i'm already asking myself what happens when all the bitcoin that's why i started this podcast with what's the supply of bitcoin how much is on the market right now what happens when there's only you know a, a thousand bitcoin left on the market what are people going to turn to you know that's the question i'm already asking myself now i think it's a it could be litecoin I don't think it's Bitcoin Cash. You know, I don't think it's Bitcoin um, CH. There's another Bitcoin. And, you know, it, it could be Litecoin. I think people have that, okay, Bitcoin, you know, the gold, silver comparison. So I don't think they're going to try and look for another gold since we compare Bitcoin to gold. I think people are going to be like, okay, what's the next silver? You know, I, I'm, I, I like Litecoin. Like like Litecoin, I think, has 84 million. There's a cap on Litecoin as well. I know it's faster than Bitcoin, but it, it's very, very similar to Bitcoin. And I really, at this current time, I'm comparing Litecoin to silver.
it's going to be very difficult to to know which coins are going to uh, be like the silver to Bitcoin's gold because there are a lot of people. I mean, this this uh, this whole space is way bigger than I think a lot of people realize. I mean, it, it's so big, but it's so small at the same time because if you look at the entire market cap of the whole cryptocurrency market, it's only one point one trillion right now, and I know like there's over two hundred trillion dollars out there um, and more probably. So. Uh, worth the value, uh, I mean. So, <clears throat> what you're saying is right. I mean, who who knows what the next coin will be? But I know for sure that a lot of people in Africa, I think the adoption rate has gone up 2,500% in the last year. Um, I was reading the State of Crypto report. And basically, uh, even in Latin America, like these people are starting to use crypto more because their governments are not really uh, helping them in terms of their purchasing power. And another on top of that, there are a lot of people in this world who are unbanked. Um, I remember when I wrote my master's thesis, I found out that a lot of people don't even have Internet in this world still. And that's I think the number wasn't even 60 percent. So like 60 percent or 40 percent of the people in the world don't even have Internet yet. So we're still seeing people adopting the use of the Internet, getting smartphones for the first time. Um, what have you. So, I mean, a lot of people who are unbanked and who can't get a bank account, I mean, how are they going to, how are they going to make payments? How are they going to be a part of the system? How are they going to participate? And uh, cryptocurrency pretty give, pretty much gives you a borderless or like not border. Well, yeah, definitely a borderless way, but gives you a very simple and easy way to start making transactions and getting involved in the global economy. So, I mean, Bitcoin right now is good because it's decentralized. Not that pe many people, I mean, a lot of people are aware of it. But I mean, some people are going to look at some of these other cryptocurrencies that offer some sort of value. And that's why it's another thing when it comes to investing. Um, find cryptocurrencies that you believe will make, make, or will change, uh, change the world. Not change the world, but definitely uh, change the way that we do things or change the way that other people do things. Change the way that we, um, uh, the way that we change the way that we understand uh, the things that we understand now change the way that we currently understand things. So I think in general, uh, a lot of these coins will definitely fail. But I mean, there are going to be some of these projects that just take off and that, you know, no one expected it. It's going to be really interesting to see where we are in five years from now. Yep, it's very interesting that you mentioned a lot of people that are still not banked or use have access to banking services you know uh, that speaks to trust wallet it, i wrote a blog if you go to www.businessplugs.com and search trust wallet i wrote a blog about trust wallet you know trust wallet is a hot wallet for those of you who don't understand a hot wallet is a cryptocurrency wallet that is always connected to the internet and the cryptocurrency network hot wallets are used to send and receive cryptocurrency and they allow you to view how many tokens you have available to use. So Trust Wallet pretty much acts as a bridge that connects an individual's blockchain to their nodes. Every blockchain has their own set of public addresses. These addresses are where the crypto are encrypted and stored. Trust Wallet does not hold or control any crypto. It just gives the user access to it. So Trust Wallet basically can be your wallet in terms of buying selling, moving, holding cryptocurrency, NFTs, and it's actually yours. You know, it's it's not connected. Trust Wallet has a limited supply in their customer service because it's basically a decentralized um, application. Um, so if you want to learn more about Trust Wallet, check out the Business Plugs um, blog. 
you know, it's been a great conversation with you, Carlos. You know, look forward to us coming back next Friday and talking another week about Bitcoin, inflation, and the cryptocurrency market. Definitely. There's always something, uh, something to talk about. Looking forward to it.